0: You should have uh, seen the looks I got at Home Depot trying this out. (laughs) This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi. Who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. It's not the opening that you might expect from a prisoner of the state. Like, it's lacking the usual plea of innocence, uh, the begging for help. Whether the chains felt heavy around his wrist or whether the iron links leave indentations and bruising on his skin, we, we cannot say. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. What are the conditions like? Are they sparse with the few comforts of Roman military uh, prison? Or, or are, they, are they like house arrest or simple custody? Or are they deplorable? You know, a fancy word to mean really, really bad severe hardship shackled in place or chained to a, a cruel guard whenever i pray i make my requests for all of you with joy for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about christ from the time you first heard it until now overcrowded conditions dark dirty rank putrid uh, a fancy word to mean really really gross <laughs> with the stench uh, of urine and excrement splattered on the dirt mud cold stone floor darkness psychological distress malnutrition no uh, no three hots in a cot <laughs> Food only comes when friends or relatives show up with it. Physical, emotional trauma, social shame and isolation, the the nearness of death. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. These cannot be the words of a man not free. These cannot be the thoughts of a man on his way to lose his head. It's at least not what you'd expect. The joy, the hope, the confidence in love so massive That he's later willing to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I guess it's a a matter of perspective. At least you know that's what people say, optimism, right? Like glass half full. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Every cloud has a silver lining. There are plenty of fish in the sea. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Like Really? Glass half full, huh? Well, who cares, really? I mean, it's refillable. How about when life gives you lemons? Make lemonade. Yeah, folks chose something a little bit stronger in 2020. How about every cloud has a silver lining? Well, it just looks gray to me. Plenty of fish in the sea and lots of bottom feeders, too. Oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, unless unless it's a cave. If you know, following Jesus isn't a matter of perspective, it's a matter of hope. It's not a mindset, it's reality, it's not a feeling, it's a faith, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And I know that's cliche, but it's so true. It's not an approach to life, it's the only way, truth. And life. It's not about looking the part. It's about being the part. It's not a matter of perspective. It's a matter of hope and love and faithfulness. And sure, looking for silver linings, making lemonade and dropping lures for the plenty of fish in the sea might work for you. But when perspective is hard to come by, and when the storm is just too thick, See, when lemons are moldy and sprouting with gnats, when you haven't got a bite, when when perspective fails, like what do you do? Well, fortunate for you and me and the people of this world, the hope and love and faithfulness of God will never fail. It's what I think sustains Paul in chains to write about joy to the believers at Philippi. Today we begin a brand new sermon series called Philippians: The Way of Jesus Together because well, you can't have Christianity without community. And over the next 8 weeks, we're going to go verse by verse, word by word, trying to catch everything that Paul has to say to the first century believers at Philippi. You know, it's a church established in northern Greece on the Via Ignatia, which is a famous Roman road. Philippi is surrounded by three mountains on on each side. There's there's an open plain there that stretches out to the west. The city's named after Philip II. I mean, it's something that, that he named the city after himself. Sounds like a pretty important guy. Well, In actuality, he actually was pretty important. He was the father of Alexander the Great. Gold mines and natural springs of water pockmark the city. And the construction of the famous Via Ignatia Highway made Philippi a major stopping point between Rome and the East. Philippi had a colonial status. That meant the citizens of Philippi had equal status and rights to those of Roman citizens. It means that they didn't experience direct taxation like much of the rest of the Roman world. Its official language in the first century was Latin, but all the talk in the marketplace was Koina Greek. All sorts of gods were worshipped in the temples of Philippi, from the Egyptian Isis and Serapis to the Greek god Apollo. And it's in this climate here that that Paul, this follower of Jesus, who at one point was a persecutor of the church, he establishes the church at Philippi. And his body, it paid the price for it dearly. I mean, in Philippi, he was shamefully treated. He was beaten and thrown into prison. You can read all about it in Acts chapter 16. And in response, he and Silas, his traveling companion... In response to being beaten and shamefully treated and thrown into prison, he and Silas pray and sing joyful songs to God while in chains. Now, that's that's not some glass half full, silver lining, make lemonade matter of perspective. That's a matter of hope. And now later, as Paul writes to the community he established some 10 years before, He's again in chains, but this time he's in Rome awaiting what will be his execution. He writes to the Philippians with four main thoughts, with four main purposes. You better remember it because it'll be on the quiz. Number one, to tell the believers in Philippi that their pastor, Epaphroditus, had recovered from a serious, possibly life-threatening illness. Number two, Paul writes to encourage the Philippians in their newly formed faith in Jesus. Number three, Paul writes to assure them that God is at work in Paul's imprisonment, that God is using it for his own purposes. And fourth, Paul writes to encourage the believers, to inspire them to greater faithfulness and thank them for their continued support. Paul warned one uh, of the Philippians, he wanted them to see what might seem like a personal loss was actually a win for the kingdom. The church was being reinforced by new leaders. The gospel was being proclaimed in Rome and the mission, it was advancing. And this is how he begins his letter to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter one, verse one. This letter is from Paul and Timothy Slaves of Christ Jesus. Now, that term slaves, it sounds strange, right? But it can also be translated as servants, the, the plural form, duoloi. It, it's a common common phrase that early leaders of the early church would call themselves slaves or servants or bondservants of Jesus. It just shows their, their insanely uh, just eager devotion to Jesus. What's interesting is that the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint calls Moses duolos, which is the singular form of duoloi. It calls him a slave or a servant. And it's not just Moses, but it's also other dedicated prophets. So we see this this tradition happening with the servants of God, now including here Paul and Timothy, self-proclaiming that they are slaves or servants of Christ Jesus. He continues, I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. So this is to all the people, to the leaders and the followers and everyone in between. Verse two says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ Give you grace and peace. Now, that's a, a blessing. And it's easy to skip over. You know, that's easy just to, to rush on past. But, but may God, our Father, today. May God, our Father, today give you grace. Grace for the wrongs, the faults, the flaws, the, the poor choices and rash, selfish decisions. And may he also give you peace. May he give you peace. May it flow into your circumstance. May it flow into your struggle, into your anxiety or your frustration. And may it be a real presence. Because peace is not the absence of conflict or trial, but peace is the presence of God in the middle of conflict, in the middle of trial. My hope today is not that your perspective changes. Sure, I mean, that that would be great. But by the time Facebook fires up or you clock into work on Monday or the homework hits, it's just like all easily gone. The perspective is lost. The perspective hasn't changed much. But my hope today is that your soul changes. You know, that part of you, your being, yourself, your person, your passion, your life, that is something inside of you that makes you, you. My hope is that the grace and peace change more than just your perspective. The other day, I was uh, picking up takeout sushi from Mika Sushi there on Arneal and Las Posas. And uh, I walk in and as I wait for two miso soups to be added to the order, I heard something strange. And now, it wasn't the slicing of cucumbers, it wasn't the sizzling of tempura shrimp, it wasn't the, the popping of styrofoam containers closing and then shuffled into a plastic bag for takeout. No, it was the it was familiar melody and familiar words Once I was broken, but you loved my whole heart through. Sin has no hold on me, because your grace holds me now. Healed and forgiven, look where my chains are now. Death has no hold on me, because your grace holds that ground. (laughs) They were playing Hillsong United at Mika Sushi off our and Los Poses, followed up by Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I looked around at the other customers standing there thinking, you don't even know what is hitting you right now. When my order was ready, I told the hostess, I said, I just, I love the music. She said, oh, really? Like, uh, I don't even know. Like, we, we barely were able to get the radio turned on. and they, So they didn't even know what music they were even playing. And I was thinking, you don't even know, Mika Sushi, but you are blessing people right now with grace and peace. They don't even know what's hitting them. Because, well, these songs, they aren't just songs. These aren't just words. This is... Worship. And worship doesn't just change perspective. Worship changes souls. I figure, you know, if Mika Sushi can do it, then maybe we can too. Verse 3 says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. So Paul is maybe saying, well, thank you God for Lydia who opens up her house to have church. Or thank you God for Brutus, the Roman jailer. Or thank you God for Clement, the, the baker who, who deeply, dearly loves his wife. Or even today, thank you God for Raquel who works at Diesel in the outlet mall. Maybe she can hook it up with a pair of fancy uh, designer jeans. Or thank you for Kirsty, God who is the junior high teacher who uh, who teaches junior high special ed over zoom right now 12 hour days on zoom or thank you god for Kyle the electrician thank you god for little John Urango the HVAC handyman of god or thank you god for for Sally who takes care of the kids and bakes the most scrumptious snickerdoodle cookies whenever i pray I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. So here, grateful joy clearly fills Paul's words. He's thankful for the partners in faith working alongside him. They've hooked Paul up with not just prayer, but financial support on more than one occasion. And Paul knows you gotta give credit where credit is due. That's gratefulness. Eight days in Ohio. (laughs) Eight days in Ohio, it sounds like a horror flick. It almost was, like death by boredom. It was 2017, Thanksgiving, cold but no snow. The Browns were playing the Bengals. Uh, OSU is playing Michigan, and that was pretty much the highlight of all things Ohio. Flatland, track homes, overcast, a gallon of milk for under a dollar. But on Sunday, we went to church in a basketball gym. And in all my gratefulness of eight days in Ohio, the pastor spoke on just that. Gratefulness. He said, gratefulness is letting others know you see how they have helped you. I'll say that again. Gratefulness is letting others know you see how they have helped you. It's realizing what would be missing if they weren't there. What would be missing without them? It reminds me of something Jeffrey O'Dell Bonesaw Barnett once said that God cannot satisfy a dissatisfied heart. That God cannot bless a thankless heart. If your life feels like eight days in Ohio, if things just suck, if you're not the person you used to be or wish you were, maybe try what Paul does here in Philippians, gratefulness. It might just change your soul. It might just show you that you can't have Christianity without community, and that in our self-focused, highly individualistic, me-first, selfie-centered society, maybe gratefulness for others, maybe letting others know you see how they have helped you and realizing what would be missing without them, maybe gratefulness might change everything. Not just a metamorphosis, a fancy word that brings new meaning to really, really big change in perspective. Not not just a metamorphosis or big change in perspective, but a a rewiring of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, a great work within us. Verse 6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. At times, it's tough to see the the work and sometimes the presence of God in our everyday lives. But looking back, we see the mountains and the valleys that we've, we've crossed. We see the challenges we've overcome. We see that the tough stuff we faced was really tough stuff, or maybe it wasn't all that bad. We see how much we've grown or where we've got room for improvement. Maybe we see that we didn't even know what was hitting us, but now we see it was God. And we develop this certainty like Paul does with the Philippians that that the God who began this work in us will continue until his work, until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So, Paul writes in verse 7, It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment. Hold hold up, (laughs) okay. Who in their right mind would ever equate the special favor of God with imprisonment? Like, those two two things do not belong in the same sentence. How could they possibly? Well, it's only because of joy, the gratefulness that's, that's steady and hopeful in God's faithfulness. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in the defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. The other day I was listening to a a podcast featuring a famous Christian speaker and author and she said something so, so simple and yet so challenging at the same time. She said, I really do sincerely love my community. I really do. That is not fake. I do love this community. And I wonder, does God know I love my people? Do my people know that I love them? Do my people know that God loves them? It's simple and challenging. And it sounds a lot like Paul here saying, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Now, in my life, I want to err on the side of loving people too much. You may say, yeah, but you know they're this, or, or they're that, or they're blatantly sinful. They're, they're wretched, filthy scum or, you know, they've sinned and they've fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that, that kind of sounds a lot, a lot like me. should probably just, you know, love them anyways. Because Paul says in verse nine, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I think it's really interesting here in verse 9 how it's not that I pray that your knowledge will overflow. I think it's interesting that it's not that I pray your understanding will overflow, or I pray that your discernment will overflow. These things are all good, but no, love precedes them all. Love goes before. Love comes first. Verse 10 says, for I want you to understand what really matters. That would be love coming first, before understanding, before knowledge. For I want you to understand what really matters, love, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the Karpa says the Greek, the fruit or results or action of your salvation, the righteous or right-living character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. I, I counted it up, and in these 11 verses, There's 15 yous and three yours. If you're a grammar police, that's 18 uses of the second person in 11 verses. I'd say that's a lot of focus on others. It's not what you'd expect from a prisoner of the state. Oh, and you know, all the I words, all the first person singular for you grammar police, all the I words have to do with everybody else. I'm praying for you. I love you. I give thanks for you. But, bro, Paul, like, you're the one in chains. Yeah? What of it? I think that 2020 and all the ruckus of COVID 19 has catapulted an already self-focused, highly individualistic, me-first, selfie-centered society into an even more self-focused, selfie-centered society. It has us more chained up than a man in first century Roman custody. We're bound, tied, chained, locked down by more than just stay-at-home orders. And so... We self-soothe with glasses half full of lemonade we've made from the lemons life gave. We search for silver linings, hoping the fish in the sea aren't all just bottom feeders. We assume there's light at the end of the tunnel because, well, it's supposed to be, right? I guess it's a matter of perspective. At least uh, that's what people say, optimism. When perspective fails, what do you do? I thought the gold mines and natural springs of value could sustain me. I thought the individual pursuits on famous highways would be enough. I thought the solitary amassing of personal knowledge and understanding would be sufficient, but it all kind of feels like eight days in Ohio horror flick, things just suck. I'm not the person I used to be or wish I were. But I think a man who died alone in a school bus, in the snows of Alaska said it best, that happiness is only real when shared. I think the same goes for faith. You can't have Christianity without community. 15 yous and three yours and 11 verses has a lot to say of where our focus should lie, loving others, the ones easy to skip over and rush past. But as God, our Father today, gives us grace and peace, may we be quick to give it to others the blatantly sinful the the wretched filthy scum the one who's sinned and fallen short of the glory of god should probably just you know love them anyways <laughs> should probably realize we're not so different after all should probably approach them with the tender compassion of christ jesus because if mika sushi can bless people with grace and peace i think i can too it should be intrinsic a fancy word to bring new meaning to really really built into us. It should be foundational like mountains on three sides. It should be clear as day to those on my own via Ignatia, on my own highway in life, that following Jesus isn't a matter of perspective. It's a matter of hope. It's not a mindset. It's a reality. It's not a feeling. It's a faith. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And I know it's cliche, but it's just so true. It's not an approach to life. It's the only way, truth, and life. It's not about looking the part. It's being the part. It's not a matter of perspective. It's a matter of hope and love and faithfulness. So whether you're Brutus, the Roman jailer, or Raquel at Diesel, or Kirstie with 12-hour days on Zoom, grace and peace and gratefulness might just change everything. It's simply letting others know you see how they have helped you. It's simply showing, I really do sincerely love my community. I really do. That is not fake. I do love this community. It's simple and it's challenging and I think that's what it's all about. So may you come to see, may you come to see that maybe the soul change we need starts with grateful love for God and for others. It might just free us from the chains so binding. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be in community and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the friends and family that you have surrounded me with. And I pray, Lord, that we as a small little church would be reaching out into our community to bringing people along, however they look, wherever they've been, how young, how old, how experienced, how inexperienced, how loving, how hateful. I pray, Lord, that we would be a community of people who love first and that everything flows from that because that's what you did, Jesus. You gave your life as a ransom for many. You did not come to serve, to be served, but you came and served. So Jesus, I pray that we would do likewise, that we would be like Paul, whether we're in chains or whether we're free, that we would learn to love. I pray if someone here today wants to experience you as Lord and Savior, that they would pray, Jesus, would you come into my heart? I believe you died on the cross and that you give real, true life. You paid for my messy sin, but you rose from the grave, defeating death. So come into my life. I want to follow you. I want to walk in your way, the way of Jesus together. Lord, we praise you and thank you. It's in your name we pray.